0: Good morning, everybody. How's it going? Everybody good? Sunday before Christmas, y'all ready? Ready for Santa Claus? Yeah. All of you online, God bless you guys. Thank you for being faithful to worshiping online. Listen, if you're online, we, we got you covered tonight at 6 o'clock p.m. Stay right where you are because you can watch I'll Be Home for Christmas, our church's Christmas program musical. It's different because of COVID, but I think it's really something special. You can see it in person, as we've already said, but for those of you online, you don't want to miss that tonight at 6 o'clock uh, on Facebook Live or YouTube. If you find YouTube, you can usually watch it on your big screen in your living room and that, that makes it even better. Our Christmas Eve services, as I've already said, is also online this year. So six o'clock, 1115, you don't wanna miss those. They're gonna be uh, not what we're used to, but in, in some ways we got something really really pretty cool. So uh, I, I look forward to it with you. Isaiah chapter nine, open your Bibles. We're in the middle of a uh, sermon series, actually getting to the end of a sermon series entitled Call His Name. Call His Name, we're talking about the names of Jesus. So uh, let's go right to it. Isaiah chapter 9 is a great, great passage that speaks of the names of Jesus. Anybody have a new pet? Recently got a new dog, new cat? I mean, this is the country. Chicken, iguana, llama. Anybody got something new lately? New pet? Anybody? Old pet? Yeah. What's the very first thing you have to do when you get a new pet? You have to name them. Absolutely, you have to name the animal. You have to have a name because if you don't have a name, you don't have a relationship. You've got to be able, like when your dog is running into the road, you have to, be able to go, hey, Spot, come, you know, Spot, come. You have to be able to call the animal, which requires that you have the name. So your dog, your cat, your chicken, whatever, has to know its name. You have to know its name. You have to learn that because that's relationship. Names make relationships possible personal relationships. If you don't know the name of a person, technically they're not your friend. They're still a stranger. You have to know the name. So this is why the names of Jesus, the, the fact that God doesn't just give us his son, but that he gives us his name. We have the possibility of a personal relationship through the name Jesus. So that's why we're talking about his name. It's why the names are so important. You have to understand that this is to be personal. It's personal. Isaiah chapter 9 is also personal. You've probably read or heard this passage read if you ever go to church at Christmas or read the Bible yourself. Isaiah chapter 9 is a familiar passage, but that doesn't mean you've heard it. It doesn't mean that it's become personal. Today, I want you to listen in a way that makes it personal. You ready? Isaiah chapter 9, let's start in verse 2. Famous passage predicting the coming of the Messiah, Jesus. This is what the prophet Isaiah says. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms blood-stained by war will all be burned. They will be fuel for fire. For unto us Familiar? you probably read that before. I, I've read it before. But honestly, I mean, you shouldn't have to go to seminary to learn something like this, but I don't know if I've ever really gone up and, and read into chapter 8, but, but I, I, I've done that this year, and it's really made this prophecy come to life for me because it begins with the people who walk in darkness— But Isaiah chapter 8, at the end of chapter 8, he talks about how they wound up in darkness. And that's very, very important. What kind of darkness are we talking about? And how did the whole world end up in darkness? Isaiah chapter 8, verse 20. Look at what it says. Look to God's instructions and teachings. People who contradict his word are completely in the dark. They will go from one place to another, weary and hungry. Because they are hungry, they will rage and curse their king and their God. They will look up to heaven, down at the earth. But wherever they look, there will be trouble and anguish and dark despair. They will be thrown out into the darkness. I think that's really interesting. And again, I've read that passage, you know, all of those who live in a land of darkness, a great light will shine. But I've never really put that together that the darkness we're talking about is the darkness that comes when people turn away from God. When people turn away, when they contradict with their lives, with their words, the Word of God. God is spoken and God is real and you cannot live your life in, in, in opposition to Him and think that you're going to have any kind of light. You understand? So this is the darkness that Isaiah is talking about. And honestly, when I read those verses, chapter 8, verses 20, 21, 22, it just sounds like our world. I mean, it sounds like the year 2020. I mean, it just sounds like everything we're living and experiencing right now. Look up to heaven, look down at the earth, but wherever they look, there will be trouble and anguish and dark despair. That's why I like verse 1. Notice what it says. If you're thinking about our lives in 2020, look at what verse 1 says. Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. <laughs> Praise the Lord. It will not go on forever. And here's the prophecy. This is a promise from Isaiah. The people who walk in darkness, that darkness, the people who are, walk in darkness have seen a great light. Upon those who live in the land of darkness, a light has shone, And we know that that light is Jesus We know that Jesus is the fulfillment of all of this promise, this amazing light that comes to penetrate the darkness. It's the prophecy of Isaiah, but it's fulfilled in Jesus and in our lives. I I love it. The people who live in darkness have seen a great light. That light is Jesus. I I know you know the story of Christmas. You know the Jesus story. I know you know the story of the star of Bethlehem and how the wise men saw the star in the sky and they followed the star to Bethlehem where they found Jesus in the manger. They worshipped him and they brought gifts. You know that story. You know, they're even saying this year that, that the star of Bethlehem could have been an alignment of Jupiter and Saturn and those planets are about to line back up for Christmas Eve this year. So, so we might see what the wise men saw. I, I don't know about that. I mean, I don't know if if the star of Bethlehem was an alignment of Jupiter and Saturn. I have no idea. What the Bible says is that there was a sign in heaven. There was a star in heaven. The wise men saw it. They followed it, and it took them to Jesus, took them to the light of the world. Here's the thing. The light was in the sky. I mean, the sign that would lead them to the Messiah was in the sky. It was right there for everybody to see, and it was shining on everybody. Same sky. Anybody could look up and see it. So so the point is, all of the world could have possibly seen that star shining up in the heavens, an alignment of Jupiter and Saturn. I don't know, whatever. It was there. It was a sign, a light that would lead them straight to Jesus. But I'm telling you, The number of people who saw that light in the sky is much, much greater than the number of people who saw that light in the sky and followed it to Bethlehem and found Jesus and worshiped him and brought their gifts. Do you hear what I'm saying? That light was shining for everybody. That light was shining in everybody's sky, but very, very few people saw that light in such a way to follow it. Everybody could see it. Almost nobody followed it. My hunch is that's what happens every time the light shines in darkness. I mean, can we just be honest enough to say that while the whole world lives in darkness and it says the people living in a land of deep darkness, some of them choose darkness. And they would choose darkness even after the light shines. Not everybody who lives in darkness wants to follow the light even after they see the light. There's going to be opposition. Understand, when the light comes to scatter the darkness, darkness doesn't just roll over and play dead. Darkness tends to come back in fury. And this is why in this passage, there's so much warfare language. I mean, God is coming to take over the world, and it's going to take might, and it's going to be awesome. He's taking over the world. How exactly is he going to do that? I mean, how is God going to take over the world? What would you even picture or imagine? Because it's kind of the funny part. Verse 6 tells us how he's going to do it. He's going to take over the world by sending us a baby. Like he's going to do this with a baby. Now, I am not a tough guy. I mean, y'all know I'm not a tough guy. Like every man, every man, every woman in this church could whip me. I know that. I, I, I know that. I'm, I'm useless in a fight. I mean, every woman, senior ladies, I mean, could take me down. I mean, I'm just, I, I'm nothing. But even I, I, I'm not intimidated by a baby. I, I can take on a baby. I, you know what I mean? That's not intimidating to me. And this is the amazing thing. This God who's coming to take over the world is going to do it by sending a baby. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. It's a baby. But it's not an ordinary baby. We've been talking about this for weeks, right? You understand this is God in the flesh. This is Jesus himself, the incarnate Word of God made flesh. It's right here. Not an ordinary baby. Isaiah wouldn't have seen or known all of that But what Isaiah gives us in verse 6 is absolutely stunning. This is a baby born with throne names. That's what you would call them, throne names. In the ancient world, whenever a king would ascend to his throne, on the day of his coronation, he would be given throne names, and they would celebrate the king and his majesty by announcing his throne names. These are all of the names that describe him in his glory, in his greatness, in all of his power and authority. A king would be given throne names. Not a lot of babies born with throne names, but this one is different. This child born to us, this son given to us, is is born with throne names, and they're listed right there in verse 6, and they're amazing. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, a wonder of a counselor, it says. What's that mean? You want your king to have wisdom. You want to be able to go to the king and get wise counsel. A good king would be a king who is wise, who has knowledge, who could give good counsel. You want a wonder of a counselor, and that's what the Scripture says here. When you go to the king with a problem, you want the king to have knowledge, a solution. If you go to the king and say, king, you know, your majesty, the barbarians are at their gate. You don't want the king to say, oh, no, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? You know, the king needs to know what to do. The king needs wisdom. He's got to be able to provide wise counsel. And this is the first throne name of this king born as a child. He is a wonder of a counselor, all wisdom. Good? Wonderful counselor. Let's just say it, mighty God. Now, that's a throne name right there that can't belong to any earthly king. I mean, that throne name there says it all. This child born is actually born with all of the might of God. He is the mighty God. That's a throne name for you there. It's strength. Because it's going to take strength, right? I mean, we talked about everything in in, in chapter 9, this prophecy, how he's going to take over the world. How he's going to step out and break the oppressor's rod, and, and, and the boots of the warrior, the uniforms bloodstained by war, will all be burned. This is a God of strength, a King with strength, a mighty God. I don't know. Some of you are saying, Pastor Tim, I don't like all that talk in the Bible about war and a God of war. I, I don't know if I don't know if I can worship a God who's just bloodthirsty for war. Okay. You're reading this wrong. This is not a God who loves war. There's a lot of war talk in these verses, but what's it describing? What's it saying? This one who comes doesn't come to make war. He comes to take over. And that's something different. He doesn't come to start a war. He comes to end all war. He ends it. Ends it. It says the boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned. Why are we burning them? Because nobody's going to be needing them anymore. You're not going to wear boots and the uniform into war anymore. The one who comes takes over, and there's an end to all of that. Only the mighty God could come and do that. I know some of you say, Pastor Tim, I know what you're talking about. I've read the book of Revelation. I've read about the Battle of Armageddon, and, I, and it's going to be awesome. Okay, well, again, have you read the story of the Battle of Armageddon? Because it is going to be awesome, but not in the way you're thinking. People say, oh my goodness, that's, that's going to be a battle to end all battles. Well, it is, but have you read it? I, I mean, have you, though? Because the story of the Battle of Armageddon is one verse. It lasts for, it, it is a really, really brief battle. It doesn't take long at all. You see, it's really not a battle at all. I mean, because he's the mighty God. I mean, all the nations, it's what the book of Revelation says, all the nations of the world, you know, the ones left over, the ones left to fight for the forces of darkness will come against the Lord Jesus Christ. But like, what are they going to do? Like, what weapon are they going to point at him? I mean, what weapons do we have that could cause us to make war against Almighty God? There is no battle at the Battle of Armageddon. He just shows up and ends it. Let me read it. It's a sort of lame battle because there's not a battle. He's the king of kings and lord of lords. It says that he just defeats them with the sword of his mouth, the sword that comes out of his mouth. What is that? It's his word. It's just his word. Y'all, one day, uh, years ago, we were having a creek baptism church up in Franklin at the community park. So I was in the water baptizing some new believer, and all of a sudden, this pit bull, Like, remember, we're in Franklin. This pit bull, you know, just, we're in the city park. Pit bull comes out, like, like, to attack our congregation. A pit bull. Now, I'm in the water, which wouldn't matter, because I've already told you, I'd be useless anyway. Like, he'd eat me, and then just eat all of you. I I can't help you. I can't help you. We're all in trouble if I'm your defense. But here's the thing. Y'all, totally true story, and some of you were there. You know I don't make things up. So this pit bull comes out, and I mean, it's, it's terrifying. The kids are screaming, women are running, and Teddy Martin, he's like one of the biggest guys in our church. Teddy's like a vanilla gorilla. Teddy stepped, took one step forward. He put his foot down. He put his finger out like this, and he went, like, he didn't say words, he just said, and that dog went, I mean, serious. I've never seen anything like it, just, it's amazing, it's amazing, like I want want him with me all the time, all the time. It's that kind of power, and this is what we're talking about, this one who comes as the mighty God. He's got all the power, he's got infinite power, that's why his peace is eternal, you understand? Nobody can come against him, there is no enemy, no weapon formed against him that can prosper, I mean, he's the mighty God. I love it. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Father of eternity, it says. And we talk about father here. it's, It's a term of tenderness. It's relationship. It's the one who loves you and protects you and provides for you. And this father born to protect and provide He's the eternal father. His protection, his provision, his love, his tenderness will never, ever, ever be taken away. He's the everlasting father and the prince of peace. Throne names. And the government will rest upon his shoulders, it says. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. I love that because I want that. I want all of that. I want the world to be taken over by the Prince of Peace. I want the world to be taken over. I want the world to be made over by the Prince of Peace, by the Everlasting Father. I want the whole world to be brought over from the darkness into the light. I want all of this. I want it all. And that's why I love this prophecy. I love this promise. I love when it says the people who walk in darkness have seen a great light because we know that light is Jesus. I love when it says, for unto us a child is born. Unto us, see it's personal, to us a son is given. And we know that that son is Jesus. We know that he's already come. He has come. The light has already shone in the darkness. It's already come. It's already happened. The wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. That's Jesus we're talking about. He's already come. And I want all of this, everything he promises. I want the world to be made over in the image of Isaiah chapter 9. I want all of this. And the scripture says right there, the passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. So it's happening. It's happening. It's coming. So my question is, why is it taking so long? Why is it taking so long? Any of you tracking any packages these days? Y'all tracking packages? Yeah, I am. Oh, gosh, y'all, I, I'm bad. Casey will tell you, my wife is right here. I probably need medication for whatever it is. Because cause if I order something and I can track the package, now I've got a, you know, that's my new full-time job, you know. Because I'm tracking it, like, I'm tracking it. Like, I can't stop checking to see. I ordered something a couple of weeks ago that I got my tracking number. I'm like, all right, where is it? It was in China. So I knew, you know, I'm, you know, you know, bracing myself, it's going to be a wait. So I started waiting for it, but I can track it, right? I got a number. All I got to do is, you know, you know, go to my phone and hit that number and boom, I can see where my package is. So I go look and it would be in China. And so I'd wait, you know, five minutes and I'd check again. Yeah, it's totally true. Y'all. It's like a full-time job. I, I hate it, but I can't stop, you know, tracking my package. And so I'd, I'd check it again. It's in China. Apparently China is a very large nation, um, and your package can like bounce around China for days, because mine did. It's just in China for days. I'm thinking, am I have to go to China and get this thing? So I'm waiting for it. And then all I'm like days and days, it's China. And I mean, I was I, I tracked it for breakfast, lunch, and supper. I tracked it before bed. Like if I woke up in the night, I'd track it it's still in China. And then one morning I got up and I tracked it. It was in Anchorage, Alaska. Woohoo! It was in Anchorage, Alaska. And then I realized. That is still a really long way away. I mean, Anchorage, Alaska is as close to China as you can get and be in the United States. So Anchorage, Alaska, so, so I'm tracking it from Anchorage, Alaska. And then like, all of a sudden, like, like this, it was in Anchorage, Alaska. And then I check, and it's in Louisville, Kentucky. Like Louisville, Kentucky, y'all. That is really close. I could almost get in the car and go get it. And I'm the kind of guy, if they gave me an exact address, I would. You know, because it's waiting, is killing me. So it's in Louisville, so now I'm checking, like, you know, gosh, should I just, like, not go to work and stay, sit by the mailbox? You know, because it's, it's in Louisville, it's, it's going to be in Woodburn, like, any time. So it's in Louisville, and then the next time I check, it's in Nashville, Tennessee. Like, they had to go over my house and take it to Tennessee. Like, why is it in Nashville? And then, like, y'all, like, this is totally true. It went to Memphis, Like, and now I'm thinking, it's lost, it's lost. They're they're driving it, it's going to be back in China. It was in Memphis. Memphis to Franklin, Kentucky. Franklin to Woodburn. Oh, I I was exhausted. That was the longest trip I've ever made in my entire... (laughs) And when I read, when I read Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7... I feel like I'm tracking a package. It says the passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. So it's happening. It's going to happen because the Lord says it's going to happen, but why hasn't it happened? Remember that when Jesus came in complete fulfillment of this passage, he was everything that Isaiah said he would be. He was, is the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. He is, was the light that shines in the darkness. Jesus came. He fulfilled this prophecy. But didn't you remember that Jesus, in the very last moment when he was with his disciples, he died for our sins. He was risen by the power of God came back, spent days with his disciples, and then he went back to the Father. But in that moment before he went back to the Father, do you remember he spoke to his followers? You Remember the very last words he said to us? To the ends of the earth. Last words given to us. In other words, go to the ends of the earth. So here's the thing, you have to understand this, what God is promising to do here in God's mission to take over the world. Understand, that mission is fulfilled in Jesus who himself comes in fulfillment of everything that God said would happen. But then Jesus does an amazing thing. He begins that work, and then he hands it over to us. He he hands it over to the church, I mean, to you and me. He said to his disciples, to the ends of the earth, which means it's still happening. It's still coming. He's taken over the world. The Prince of Peace, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. Jesus is his name. Call his name because he's taking over the world. But he's doing it through the church. He's doing it one person at a time because that's how it works. Notice it says that he will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David. Of course he will. Of course he will. But understand, he's going to rule from the throne of his ancestor David, but if he's going to be the Lord of all, the Lord of everything, that means he's got to sit on all the thrones. He's got to occupy every single throne. He's got to take sovereignty over everything, over everybody. So how does that work? Well, one person at a time, one throne at a time. One of us hears the message of Jesus, and we surrender to his lordship. We allow him to take over our lives. He he takes me over. He makes me over. He brings me over from darkness into light. And then I take that to another person. It spreads person to person. It's why I say it's personal. It's personal. So what you have to understand is as God changes the world, his very first step in changing the world is to change you. He's got to change you. I mean, absolutely, we want everything that Isaiah chapter 9 prophesies. I want the government to rest on his shoulders. I want his government and its peace never to end. Fairness and justice for all eternity. I want all of that. But you understand, in order for that to take root in this whole world, sooner or later, that's got to take root in me. In you. Oh, he's taking over the world, make no mistake, and he's starting with you. Me personal and as it turns out not every person who uh, has grown so comfortable in the dark wants to walk in the light still personal not everybody who sees the light of christ decides to uh, surrender and walk in that light and, and sir sure, he wants to take over every throne on earth and that means the throne in your life you got to hand that over, but that's the thing about church people. You know, we know the story. We've read the passage. He's a prince of peace. He's a Lord of lords, a name above every name, but we don't call on his name. We don't let his peace take, take over our lives. We don't let anything take over our lives. We like to be in control of our lives. But you understand, he can't rule and reign everywhere if he's not ruling and reigning in your own heart. You've got to surrender. I want all of this. I think it would be amazing if our whole world could just have peace, like it's described right here. Like, like just peace in the world, like the whole world. No war. I mean, no more conflict, just a world full of peace. It would be amazing. But but if we can't have that, man, I I wish we could just have peace in our nation, like just the United States. Like, Like, just to have peace in our country. I can't even watch the news anymore. Our country is so divided. Everything is just so ugly. I can't stand it. If we can't have peace in our country, then how about just peace in our state, Kentucky? Let's just have peace in Kentucky. Y'all remember a couple of months ago when when our governor first started doing like his afternoon broadcast and everybody would get like a blanket and a cup of hot chocolate and watch Uncle Andy? Y'all remember that? Those days are gone. It's gone, you know. He ain't Uncle Andy to a lot of people anymore. It, it's all gone. All that's burned. It's it's just gone. You're not going to be peace in the state of Kentucky, not in the foreseeable future. So maybe we could just have peace in Warren County. How about just Warren County? Well, I've watched the local news too. I watch Crime Stoppers to see if one of you shows up. Somebody I know call and report. You, you know, if not Warren County, how about just our church? Let's just have peace in our church. There've been times we've been really close to that kind of peace in our church, but this ain't one of those times. Last number of months, you know, at church, we're just, you know, we get calls every week. I personally get calls every week. I'll get a call from somebody. I'll say, Pastor Tim, you are leading by fear and not faith. Just need to forget all this virus stuff. Just let people come to church. You're leading by fear and not faith. And then I'll get another call. But I'm telling you all the truth. I'll get another call, sometimes on the same day. Somebody say, Pastor Tim, you obviously don't love people. You don't love people. Letting, just letting people come to church, and, and, and you need to be following the rules, and you, you don't love people. I will not be coming to church until everybody's wearing a mask. You know. It's just that. You know, like right now, I don't even know if we can have peace in our church. How about maybe just peace in in your house, your family, maybe just your family. I I see how you're looking at me. Like, you know, y'all can't even agree on like to have Christmas at all or maybe Christmas Eve or we're going to wear a mask or I'm not coming if it's going to be in your house. You're not bringing your germs into my house. I mean. Okay, how about just peace in you? Just you. You can't control the world. You can't hand over the thrones of all the kingdoms. That's not in your authority. You can't hand over the thrones of all the world. And for that matter, you, you can't control our country. And you can't control our state. You can't even hand over the throne of Kentucky. And for that matter, you're not in a whole lot of control of your family. I mean, you can't even tell those people what to do. I mean, you can't control other people. The only person you can control is you. So I don't know about peace everywhere else, but I'm telling you, you could have peace. I don't know how long it's going to take for Jesus' reign to take over the whole world, but I do know he could reign in me. There's a couple that start having marital difficulties. Now, they didn't have anything to fight about, which is, in my pastoral experience, true of 90% of the couples having trouble. They don't have anything to fight about, so they end up fighting about something stupid. So this couple was fighting about something stupid. Let's just say it. It was something stupid. They got in a fight over toilet paper, but it was a real fight. It was a real fight. It started the day that the wife was in the bathroom and she called out to her husband. She said, honey, would you bring me some toilet paper, please? And he said, I will bring you some toilet paper. But if you ever in your life had learned to change a roll of toilet paper, then you'd have toilet paper when you need it. And she said, I don't even know what you're talking about. I change toilet paper in this house all the time. He said, no, you don't. He said, I changed the toilet paper in this house every time. I'm the only one who knows how to change a roll of toilet paper. And she said, you're sick. You're crazy. I change it all the time. He said, no, you don't. And they exploded into a big argument. So this is what this man did. True story. This man decided to prove it. So he got a big garbage bag, kept it in his shop. And every time he would change a roll of toilet paper, he'd take that little, you know, empty cardboard tube. He'd sign his name on it. He would date it, put it in his bag. He just kept on doing it. He'd change the toilet paper. He'd take the roll. He'd sign it, date it, put it in his bag because he's going to be ready. Sure enough, sure enough. One day she said, honey, would you bring me some toilet paper? He said, if you'd ever change the toilet paper, you'd have toilet paper when you need it. She said, I don't know what you're talking about. I change toilet paper in this house all the time. He said, no, you don't. I got proof. And he went to his shop, brought a big garbage bag. And he emptied it in the living room floor, just emptied it. Little cardboard, toilet paper rolls rolling all over the place. He said, I got proof, I got proof. And all these toilet paper rolls with his name and the date. She looked at her husband and she said, you're sick. You're sick. The argument continued. I mean, this man could not get it under control. So they ended up in the pastor's office. He's going to, you know, supposed to do some marriage counseling. He said, what seems to be the trouble? And they explained it was toilet paper trouble. He said, explain that to me. And the wife said, well, my husband says that I don't ever change the toilet paper rolls, but I change them as often as he does. And the husband explodes in the pastor's office. No, you don't. No, you don't. I got proof. In the pastor's office, he pulls out his garbage bag. And empties it out on the pastor's desk, screaming, I got proof, I got proof. And all those toilet paper rolls bouncing around with his name and the date. And the pastor looked at the man and said, you're sick. You're sick. I said, you could have peace in you. You can have peace in your heart. But, but you got to let the Prince of Peace come and take control. Do you have that kind of peace? I mean, the kind of peace where, where you know, you have that peace in your heart with God, with others, with, with your family. Are y'all laughing at that guy, but I promise you, if I could follow some of you home, I'd have a better story for next Sunday you know i'm telling the truth some of us just don't know how to be at peace we know all about the light of jesus but we don't seem to know how to walk in his light we read about all that this prince of peace brings the mighty god the everlasting father the wonderful counselor we say we want all of that for the world but we haven't yet fully made up our minds that we want that for ourselves Because you could have this for yourself. I don't know about the state of Kentucky. I don't even know about Warren County. I know you could have it in your own heart. You have to call his name. It's personal. Unto you, a son is born. Unto you, a child is given. His name should be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. It's personal. What I'm saying is, whatever it is you need, and no matter how near or far away he seems to you, all you ever have to do is call his name. Call his name. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, sometimes we uh, imagine that we'd like you to change the world or or change our nation, change the people at church, Lord, change our family members, Lord, but most of us never really get around to inviting you to change us, change me. This great vision for the world, Lord, that you have, it, it is certainly a global mission to change and transform and save the world. But Lord, it is also a personal mission to transform and save and shine your light into the darkness of hearts like mine. It's personal. God, for a long, long time, we have walked uh, in the shadow of your light, Lord. We have been in church, we've, we've enjoyed the Christmas story and, and the music and all of that, Lord, but we've never allowed it to be personal, We've heard your name called from pulpits and in Christmas carols and from the mouths of Christian people that we know, Lord, but we haven't called on your name for ourselves in such a way where you might come into our lives and take over, have your way, make us over, change us. But Lord, in your great mission to change the world, we recognize that the change begins here at home, with me. So, Lord, make it so. Prophet Isaiah declares that it will happen. The Lord of heaven's armies promises to make it happen. If it's ever going to happen, Lord Jesus, it's got to happen here in us. We invite you, Lord, to start with us. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, the Prince of Peace.